And next for me, we're going to go back to an arm. And this time I'm liking Cade Cavalli to go to the Philadelphia Phillies, right-handed pitcher from Oklahoma. He is a little bit of a concern in terms of his ability to stay healthy. His track record is not very consistent, but he has some of the better stuff you're going to see uh, that compares to maybe Cole Wilcox. He, he's six foot four, 226 pounds. This is a guy that is a big time power pitcher, 92 to 96. will top at 98 and a power curveball that I really like. It's sharp sits in the low, low 80s. And this is a power curveball that has the potential to be a plus pitch at the next level. And he's trying to figure out his third pitch with the cutter slider type of thing in the upper 80s. That's something you got to, you're seeing more pitchers today throw both. You know, they'll, they'll go to the slider or manipulate it to a cutter and throw it a little bit harder. If that's something that he can get to the level of his curveball, this is a guy that has all of a sudden a really good three pitch mix. But again, health is a little bit of a concern. Can he be consistent? And he gets hit a little bit too much. You'd think he'd have better strikeout numbers and better swing and miss numbers for a guy that is sitting in the mid 90s, touching 98 with a solid curveball. But I think the real question for him is that third pitch. But I'm willing to take a chance that this kid figures out a third pitch. He is 21 years old, but six foot four, 226 pounds. And I'm going to take a chance that he figures out that slider cutter combination as a solid third pitch, maybe tries to mix in a change up. And this is a guy that can really help the Phillies who could use some more pitching in their system. And maybe a guy that could fit their window in the next couple of years to climb the system a little bit quicker than maybe one of the high school arms available. Yeah. Cavalli is a guy who's another one who's really high on my board. He's probably top 15 on, on most of my boards that I've made in the last few months. Uh, like you were saying before, his slider fastball mix, again, is fantastic. He's shown the ability to really overthink when he's on the mound sometimes. He's tried to really just overpower people when he has the ability just to hit his hit his corners and pick his spots. He doesn't want to do that and just wants to throw hard, and that's got him in trouble in, in situations, where, like you said, where he's been hit hard. But he has all the things you look for in, as a starter. He's 6'4", he's 200-plus rounds, three-plus pitches that can be developed, and getting a guy like that who can be developed and still shows the ability to get guys out with with plus pitches is a good pick here at 16. I mean, you couldn't go wrong with that. Another high school bat you got going to the Cubs here at 16. Somebody that you said is starting to get a little bit of helium and we could see him climbing up the draft boards. But for now, we're going to keep him in the middle of the first round. Who do you have going to the Cubs at 16? 16, this is a pick I made a few months ago. We're going to make it here again today. At 16, I have Tennessee outfielder Robert Hassel from the prep rank going to Chicago. He is probably my favorite prep bat. He has almost over, overcame Zach Bean in that regard. He's a plus player in all regard. He can stick in center field. He's a left-handed bat. He's shown the ability to impact the game on the base pads and on, when he's in the field. His legs are, are plus. Excuse me, I'm reading over something here. I just really love everything that Hassel brings brings to the table. He just has shown ability to play at a high level against high competition. His his tool looks plus, like it could be a 60 grade tool. And getting him at 16 and getting him away from a Vanderbilt uh, commitment is extremely big to me. Uh, he he fills a role next to Brendan Davis in the Chicago outfield in the next few years that it really excites me. I agree. This is a guy that has a really sweet left handed swing. 
And you could very well see him go ahead of Hendrick. For me, I like Hendrick ahead of him just because of the sheer power that Hendrick boasts. I, I, I just think you can't compare the bat speed, but Hassel looks like he's a little bit safer. Definitely a more repeatable swing. And another guy that's a big left-handed hitter that could fill out and start to tap into a lot more power. Uh, I think you're, you summed him up pretty well. And if all of those points are right, he, he could end up climbing much earlier in the draft. And I think the Cubs would be happy to get someone like him, especially with their system. Really, a lot of guys have graduated. They traded a lot of guys away. And all of a sudden, the Cubs have you know, not one of the better systems, maybe one of the bottom half in the league, maybe bottom third at this point. And another team, if we're talking about bad systems, the Red Sox at number 17. They could be one of the worst systems in all of baseball. And that's why this draft is going to be huge for them. They are in a weird transition period. They're trying to stay competitive, but they're also trying to rebuild a little bit. You know, they let Mookie, they trade Mookie bets. They're obviously a little strapped for cash, and that's why they make that trade. But they also have a bad farm system. So they're not in an ideal spot. And they have some pressure in this draft, only five rounds. They need to make it work. They need to hit on a couple picks. And to me, you got to go with the most projectable player available. And to me, it's Mick Abel. This is a guy that is young, only 18 years old. He's already 6'5 and only 190 pounds. So he has a lot more room to to fill out. They are going to have to cough up some money to get him signed away from Oregon State. But this is a well-rounded high school pitcher. You know, you usually see young high school pitchers with a 60-grade fastball, and command is going to be a question, or secondary pitches are often a question, because this is usually the case with guys like that. When you're in high school, you can just blow the 95-mile-an-hour fastball by him, and that won't be a problem. You, know, you don't really need to mix it up too much. But his slider in the mid-80s, from what I've seen, it looks like a pitch that could turn into a plus pitch in pro ball. And he's just more mature than the average top-end high school pitcher you're going to see. And you talked about Jared Kelly, a guy you really like. I think Abel's right there in terms of polish and projectability. And this is the pick for the Red Sox who really need to find that cornerstone type of prospect to jumpstart the rebuild of their system. At 17, he makes the most sense for me with Boston making that pick from the high schooler from Oregon. I think Abel at 17 is a home run for Boston. I think if he was able to have an entire senior year this year, he would be potentially a top 10 pick. He brings you really everything you look for in a prep pitcher in the draft with the size, pitchability, command, really stuff you can't teach at at 18 years old. Uh, He reminds me of a young Mackenzie Gore from the right-hand side. I think Boston adding an adding an arm like like Abel after losing out on a guy like Noah Song last year would be huge. Uh, the like I said, the pitchability and the command are two things that really set him apart from the different prep the different prep arms this year. So if he's able to to produce that at the next level, then then it's going to be a great pick. Like I said, just that that higher ceiling guy that they really need to to find in this draft and. You know, they might have to overslot him, but they're going to need to hit on second and third rounds as well. A lot of pressure on the Sox in this draft. Going into 18 now, this is where you got another high schooler going. And Arizona is in a good spot where their system is starting to look really solid. And this could be a guy that reinforces it even more. 
think they add the first prep shortstop off the board here with Ed Howard out of Mount, Car- Mount Carmel <clears throat> High School in Illinois. He is a glove first shortstop with potential in the bat. He brings plus size at 6'3". He moves effortlessly up the middle of the infield and just looks like an everyday shortstop going forward. Um, his bat really isn't on the same level as his glove is at this point, but he has shown the ability to, to hit against top-tier talent and really, really, really blew, blew my eyes open when I saw him last year in Jupiter. He really showed the type of ability of a player that he could be going forward. And with Arizona's familiarity with the high school that he came from after drafting Alec Thomas there a few years back, I think this relationship, and this makes total sense, with Ed Howard going 18 to Arizona. Yeah, I like the pick too with Howard. You talked about how good he is defensively. The hands are great. He moves so well. It's not like staying at shortstop is going to be a question for him. It, it's the bat a little bit, but it's not like the bat is a problem. We've seen defensive first shortstops go around here frequently in the past few years, and these are guys that don't hit as well as him. He has a very simple swing. It's repeatable, and he makes solid contact. Like you said, he's able to still compete against higher level pitching. It's just, you know, will he be a dynamic hitter? You can't say no yet, but at least he is a guy that can put the ball in play. He is a solid hitter at the very least. And with a glove first type of shortstop like that, I'll take a chance that he figures it out at the plate, but it's not like he is inept at the plate right now. This is a guy that can still hit the ball pretty darn well. Uh, You just hope maybe you can find some more power out of him. At 18 years old only, only 180 pounds. He's got a lot of time to fill out, a lot of time to learn and mature at the plate. With the glove he has, that's something you're not going to find in another shortstop in this draft at that level of defense. And that's the pick. I like it too. That would be a great pickup for the Diamondbacks there at 18. Going into 19, this was one of my uh, other favorite picks where I I could really see this happening. It's the Mets taking Pete Crow Armstrong. The Mets have been a little bit peculiar in terms of how they handle things since Brody Van Wagenen has taken over. We see them take Jared Kalinick, and he turns into a perennial top prospect, but they trade him for Edwin Diaz and Robinson Cano, a trade that I think they will really regret in the coming years. But that also left them without a, a really projectable outfielder in their system. Yes, they do have plenty of outfielders in the bigs right now, but you know, not nothing's guaranteed with those guys up there. And Pete Crow Armstrong seems like the best player available at that point. He's one of those guys that you've been hearing his name for years now. He reminds me of Blake Rutherford, where he was just always talked about, even as a sophomore in high school, number one player in his class. He did regress a little bit in terms of his uh, allure because he was not hitting at the level that people were hoping, that scouts were hoping in the showcase circuit, but he came back with a strong spring his junior year and looked like he made some strides at the plate. The Mets, whether Brody Van Wagenen will admit it or not, I'm sure are really regretting that trade and giving up Kalinick. Here's your chance to replace him. Do I think Pete Crow Armstrong will be as as polished as Jared Kalinick at the plate? No, but you're getting a left-handed hitting outfielder who, for a high schooler, has pedigree and has showed uh, that he is reaching some of the potential that 
people thought he had as a sophomore in high school and still improving after a little bit of stagnation in the middle of his high school career. One of those guys where it's just, it's, it's hard to meet expectations when you have expectations that young. And I think he's done a good job of that. And this is a good pick in 19 for the Mets who have plenty of arms in their system. Time to add another bat. I think they do it here at 19. Yeah, PCA 19 would be a home run pick for the Mets. I think he's going to be an overslot candidate. I think he's a, going to be hard a hard sign out of his Vanderbilt commitment, but it would be a home run if it, if it happens. He's kind of a tool shed type of player. He's, he shows plus tools all over the field. He's probably the best defensive prep outfielder in this class. As you mentioned, another left-handed bat. He, and like you said, Prospect fatigue, it's, it's hard to say that when you're talking about a high school kid, but we've, we've heard about Pete Crow on third name for the last three or four years, and he's finally in the draft now, and we might, we might be hearing his name in the draft in a couple more years. So the fact that Pete Crow Armstrong is finally in the draft and going in the first round at 19, the Mets here would be a great pick. I think the Mets adding this type of player in their, in their system would be the right move for them at this point in the draft, absolutely. And that seems like it could be a good move for them, but we just don't know what the Mets will do at this point. They went very arm heavy in last year's draft, and they also picked up uh, you know, a, a couple more arms. So I, I think going with a bat here makes the most sense, but then we're going to see what the Brewers do here at 20. Another system that needs reinforcement, another pick with a little bit of pressure on the team making it. The Brewers at 20, who do you have them taking? Well, well, I think the Brewers have a chance to take a, a big college arm here again. I think they 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 move for the high ceiling college, or high school bat in Tyler Sarstrom. This is a guy who I really really like. I mean, he's a, he's a currently a catcher, but scouts see him really as more of a third baseman or an outfielder at the next level. Even though I think he can potentially stick behind the plate, he shows a plus arm. And a, and, a, and a good and a good receiving. I wouldn't say great, but he shows the ability to receive. He's extremely athletic and runs well. Uh, his hit tool isn't as high as his power tool, but he's shown plus tools on both abilities. I think he really reminds me of Arizona prospect Dalton Varsho in a lot of aspects where he really doesn't have a position, but his bat plays the ability where you really don't care. And with the Milwaukee system the way it is right now, adding a bat like Soderstrom into their system would be would be a huge move. If he ends up as a corner outfitter, so what? He's going to be a great bat going forward. Agree wholeheartedly there. This is a guy that is his bat, like you said, so good that if he doesn't pan out behind the dish, you're still going to get value out of him there. And he's athletic enough to be able to play third base, corner infield, corner outfield. And you need a guy that can mash like that if you're the Brewers with the state of their system. At 21, uh, in division. Now it's the Cardinals making the pick. And I think they go catcher here. And Dylan Dingler at 21 is a great option for the Cardinals. If he falls that far, this is another guy that has helium. So in the next couple of weeks, we could see him ascend even higher in the drafts in the mock drafts we're seeing. And by the time there's draft day, we could see him go in the top 15. If Dingler was able to play a full spring, I think he's a no doubt top 15 pick. Because this is a guy that is really athletic behind the dish. Uh, dare I say a JT Real Muto type of athletic catcher. I'm not going to say he has that type of uh, hitting ability yet. But Real Muto wasn't really that polished as a hitter at this point either when he was uh, drafted out of high school. 
But what he was was a multi-sport athlete who learned how to play behind the dish. And that is exactly what Dingler is. He was a basketball player, a state champion basketball player in high school, uh, along with baseball. I think he came up as a center fielder, if I'm not mistaken, going into Ohio State. And he gets moved behind the dish, has a plus arm. I, I believe MLB Pipeline slapped a, a 65 grade on his arm. And this is a guy that can run too, you know, 55 uh, on his running and a solid hitter, still tapping into power, but he has shown the ability to hit for power. I'd like to see him hit for a little bit more consistent power, but he broke his handmade bone in his hand. So that's obviously going to hinder you a little bit, but an athletic catcher who continues to improve. And to me, it's one of those guys that's only going to get better and only get more polished behind the dish. I'm going to take a chance on the guy with a huge arm behind the dish who's athletic and an ability to hit. I think Dingler is a home run, like you said, for the Cardinals at 21, a team that has had a lot of success with a franchise cornerstone catcher in Yachty. And now with Yachty Molina in the twilight of his career, Dingler can have a chance to replace him and as a high-profile guy that you can pick up here at 21. Yeah, I think Dingler there would be a great pick at 21. A lot of the ways he reminds me of the ninth overall pick last year, Shea Langley is out of Baylor. Um, even to the point where he broke his handmade bro that, that sapped some of his power. Um, I think Dingler brings a lot of qualities that teams would like in this level. I mean, he could even go as high as the top 15 if somebody likes him that high. He's going to stick behind the plate. Like you said, he shows the athleticism and the hit tool is there. If he can tap into that raw power a little bit more, then that's even better. But I think all of the tools that he presently has right now is a, is a home run. I keep saying that, but he's a great pick at 21 here to the St. Louis. And now up is the defending champion Washington Nationals. Still sounds weird to say, but they're going to be making their pick here. And who do you think they end up picking up? They have a lot of different directions they can go. And this is kind of a best player available type of area now where we're getting in the first round. And you have them taking a college arm. Absolutely. And I think they have the the potential to get one of the best college arms in this class if everything clicks for this guy. And that's right and that's left hander Garrett Crochet out of Tennessee. Uh, this kid is six six, two hundred plus, and sits at a three, sits at a hundred mile an hour fastball with a delivery that really reminds you of somewhat of a Chris Sale, Andrew Miller type of delivery. It's a scary pitch when you're seeing ninety-nine come at him out of, out of that arm slot. Um, he's been kind of a hybrid between a starter and a reliever over his time at Tennessee, and that's really led to some reliever risks that's shown some some control and some command concerns over the years. But he shows everything you want to see out of a top-flight starter with the 100-mile-an-hour fastball and the two-plus <clears throat> two secondaries I think he could show over, the, over his development years is something that I think you can't pass up at pick 22 here. If you if, if if Washington is able to add an arm like Crochet after adding Rutledge, Rutledge last year and they pan out to what they're supposed to be, then that's a one-two punch that you add back-to-back that you really can't pass up. And, yeah, two scary power arms. And at the very least, you know, one of them doesn't pan out. They're still looking at a solid back-end bullpen type of player, either of them, in the worst-case scenario, I think. And at 23, this is where I wanted to go a little crazy and – Take a chance, and I think Cleveland could do that with Jordan Walker, third baseman, high schooler, 
out of Georgia. Walker is going to be maybe the toughest sign, him or JT Ginn, who will be going shortly after Jordan Walker, uh, spoiler alert, in our mock draft. Jordan Walker, 17 years old, and he's already a monster. I mean, this guy was born in 2002. It makes me feel so old, but he's six foot five, 220 pounds, and they slapped a 60 grade power on him already, did MLB Pipeline and pretty much every other prospect outlet that you can find. And he was one of the best players in the entire country, and he's signed to Duke. That's going to be a problem for any team that's hoping to sign him because of the fact that both his parents are academics. I believe one of his parents went to MIT, the other went to Harvard. So there's a reason why he's committed to Duke, not just because it's a rising baseball program, but because academics matter. And this is a kid that probably wants to go to college. I'm not going to speak for him, but I'm going to assume that he wants to go to college. But, you know, if you get a couple million thrown your way, it's your priorities shift. And there's a chance that could happen for Jordan Walker. It's just whether the Indians would be willing to throw a couple million at this kid. I think you take a chance on a 17-year-old who has the potential to be a 30 home run guy if it all works out. There's a lot of question marks, right? He's only 17. He has not shown much uh, of an ability to hit against high-level competition just because we haven't seen enough of it. I'm not saying he can't do it, but we haven't seen enough of it. it. It's tough to really gauge a guy like this, but if you just look at it on the surface, we're talking about a six foot five kid that can hit for power, playing a corner infield position. He's athletic enough to maybe play the outfield. And to me, if you can get him to sign at 23, you're potentially getting the biggest steal in the draft if he develops in the way that he has the potential to. And this is a kid that I saw some tape on him. He generates some ridiculous bat speed and some ridiculous power for a 17-year-old. And you figure he's not done filling out and he's not done generating that power at the plate. He just needs to hone in on that approach and find a a little bit more repetition in his swing. But as a 17-year-old, I'm not really worried about that yet. You can take him very slow through the minor leagues. And this is a guy that you don't rush and could turn into a legitimate stud. Yeah, I mean, Jordan Walker, when I first saw him about a year and a half ago, was clearly at the top of my board for this year's class for a long time. It took a long time for me to really break down who this class was to find out where the level of player he was. But I still think getting Jordan Walker at pick 23 here would be an absolute win. Um, his his body type at 6'5", 200 pounds, 220, at, like you said, 17 years old, is something you just don't see every day. Um, watching him take take uh, take the balls at shortstop at his size is super super fun to watch. He moves extremely well for his size, and he's an extremely smart player. Both of his both of his parents are extremely smart people, and as you said, he's going to do has a commitment to Duke. So you can tell he's a has the book smarts as well. But the way he plays on his field on the field is is much more as much past his years. Um, I think Jordan Walker has the ability to maybe hit hit more than 30 homers a year. His bat has real 70-grade power potential. And um, I think getting him at 23 and getting him to sign would be, like you said, the steal of the draft. And something I I totally forgot, he he is very solid in the field for a big kid and a really good arm. He's low 90s on the mound. He could end up being a very, very good defensive third baseman to go with 
potentially 60, 70 grade power. I did, sky's the limit for this guy. And if you can get him at 23, it's worth a shot. But back to back tough signings here. You've got maybe the second toughest guy to sign in this draft with JT Ginn. Just had Tommy John surgery, did JT Ginn. And he's a draft eligible sophomore. If he can go in the first round, you figure he's going to sign at this point with you know all the craziness that he's had in his you know young career. But he's a Boris client, and we know how that goes. And I'm sure he has no problem going back to college and, and pitching out one more year and then going back to the draft. But if you can get him to sign in the late first round, this is this is a guy that went in the first round already. So if if he can go at 24, what do you think about his chances to go to Tampa Bay? I think the rich get richer at 24 with Tampa Bay Lane again. I mean, it's the best, it's the best system in the majors right now. And you add a guy like JT again, and I, I don't see him passing up another two plus million dollars in another draft, especially coming off of Tommy John surgery. If he goes back to school, he's going to be close to 23 years old by the next time he's drafted. And I don't see him going very much higher at, then he's going here at 23 at 24, excuse me. Tampa Bay can can overslot him slightly, and saying saying overslot for a guy who's got Tommy John surgery is, is kind of weird to say, but but Ginn has that ability. He really has shown the ability to be a front line ace. He has a, a triple digit fastball that we've talked about with seems like half of this class college class this year. But what he what he what he backs that up with is a, really a slider that could be as good as anybody next to Max Meyer and Ace Lacy in this class, and getting him at twenty four. I think will be a tough sign, but I think Tampa Bay can get it done. Just adding him to a system and what they can show him and what they can tell him and and promise him for his future there in Tampa Bay. Really good point that nobody wants to be draft eligible at 23 if you have the chance to go before that. And coming off of Tommy John, the, the fact that he was just so good before all of this is the only reason why he's getting picked this high. And he'd be crazy not to sign at this point if he goes in the 20s. Uh, going at 25 for me is a shortstop from Arkansas, Casey Martin, who has a little bit of concern defensively, but a really good athlete, pretty good hitter at the plate with some power, some pop. And, you know, Dansby Swanson is good at shortstop, a very solid shortstop in the big leagues. But I don't know if you can consider him, you know, the shortstop of your future, the cornerstone. This is a Braves team that, has all-stars pretty much all around him or potential all-stars all around that is Danby Dansby Swanson. And if he doesn't quite turn into the player that teams hoped when he went number one overall, Casey Martin is a great contingency plan. But the thing with Martin is he is such a good athlete and such a good hitter that if Swanson ends up being your long-term shortstop, you will find a place for Martin in your infield or outfield. This is a good athlete and a good hitter who ultimately – his bat will determine his future, but I'll take a chance on a guy who could potentially stay at shortstop. I'll hope that he can stay at shortstop. But like I said, his athleticism and his bat is enough for me to take him at 25 and hope that it works out that way. But either way, I'm going to have a great athlete and a good hitter added to my system. Absolutely. I think he even has shown the ability that he might be able to play center field at the next level. And I think that helps his draft stock being able to play two premium positions at shortstop and center field is something that you love to find in the draft and his speed 
will be a, a game changer at the next level. So I think that's a great pick there at 25. 26 is another tough one because you're talking about Billy Bean and I wanted to put Austin Wells there just because he's the classic can he get on base type of guy. Austin Wells, a catcher from Arizona who walks as much as anybody in the country, about 18% walk rate, and I think it was over 20 in the Cape. But you have Oakland going pretty much in the complete opposite direction. I, I thought college hitter, you have high school pitcher, and probably the last high school pitcher that will go in the top 35 picks. You have Oakland taking who? Pennsylvania prep Nick Bitsko. Uh, he's a former 2021 class who reclassified a few months back. Um, he is another one who, another guy who really brings a complete arsenal as a prep as a prep pitcher. This prep class, as much as we talk about the college arms, the prep class of Kelly, Abel, Bitsko is really an, is really a, a solid class. And getting him all the way down to pick number 26 here would be huge for Oakland. I think he really shows uh, a bit of uh, starter starter traits on the mound. He shows a fastball that sits in the 93 to 97 range. Uh, it shows it shows great depth, and he shows a curveball that's got incredible spin for a high schooler. Um, being young, he's a Virginia commit. He's only 18 years old at the draft. I think he's still 17 years old as we're talking tonight. And I think getting him at 26 and getting him to sign would be a huge win for Oakland. They add another powerful strong arm into a system that already shows Lazardo and AJ Puck and you add an arm like Nick Bitsko and you really can't go wrong. That's a, a great pick there. And another just high ceiling high school arm. And this is a draft that is really loaded with high talent pitchers throughout, whether it's high school or college and it would be a great pickup for Oakland. Speaking of another talented pitcher, this might be one of my favorite pitchers in the draft. This is a guy who has just continued to improve and a guy who made a huge jump this season, coming into this season at the end of last season as well. It's Bryce Jarvis out of Duke. Jarvis was always a reliable strike thrower that would sit in the high 80s, 88 to 92, and pretty much just mix it up, three-pitch mix, fastball, curveball, changeup. But then he adds 20 pounds and he goes to driveline where he's able to hone in on his mechanics. He's able to add some strength to his arm. And he was sitting 92 to 96 in the beginning of this spring through a perfect game and has probably the best changeup in this entire draft class. This is a guy who was dueling Kumar Rocker in the Super Regional. And that was at the end of last season. And he only gave up, I believe it was two hits. Kumar Rocker threw a no hitter and it got over and Bryce Jarvis's performance was overshadowed, but Jarvis is a guy that just gets hitters out. And the fact that he's able to have a mid nineties fastball now to complement his elite changeup and a pretty solid slider. This is a guy who to me is always improving and could end up being one of the biggest sleepers in this draft. He was not even considered a first-rounder coming into this year. And now I think teams would be crazy to pass on him outside of the first round because of his just pure ability to pitch and his continuous improvement. I love Bryce Jarvis to the Twins here, uh, a team that could use some more pitching in the system. And 
to me, Jarvis has the potential to be a legitimate top of end of the rotation type of pitcher in the bigs, working off a fastball changeup slider mix that is as good as anybody's in this entire draft. Yeah, I think in, a, in this shortened season we had in 2020, I think Bryce Jarvis really improved his stock more than anybody in the country. You mentioned his perfect game. I think it was a 15K outing against Cornell. He just looked dominant. It was one of the best films I watched. Clearly, it was a perfect game. But, yes, just watching him pitch was fantastic. Fantastic. He's a guy who really bet on himself. He could have raised his stock last year in the, in the Cape Cod League, but instead decided to go to a different different pitching programs to really improve his game and become a better pitcher going into 2020 to where he could build a stock in the ACC season. Granted, that didn't happen, but I still think he showed enough progress in his stuff going into this year in the, in the, in the limited time that we saw him to make him a first round, a first round prospect. Now it's a good point. He, he, he is 22 years old, but I love what you said about the Cape. He could have went to the Cape and that was a tough decision to make, right? I'm not going to go to the Cape. Instead, I'm going to train hard. And it ended up being maybe a career-altering decision because it turned him into what was probably a fifth or sixth round type of pitcher to a legitimate first round pick. And you hit the nail on the head. Uh, Bryce Jarvis made a great decision in skipping the Cape League. That sounds weird to say, but it seemed to be the right decision for him and a guy that now tops out at 96. This might be one of my favorite picks that you make because not a lot of people are on this guy in terms of him being a first round pick. I talked to some of the players that played with him in the Cape. I had a couple of buddies that played with him at Harwich. Daniel Cabrera, you have going 28 to the Yankees, and I'll let you get into him. But uh, his teammates said this is a guy that has as much power as anyone in the nation. He's just still tapping into it, and he has a good hit tool to go with it. The left-handed swing, as we get, I think, another left-handed bat in this first round. The left-handed swing from Daniel Cabrera is so simple and easy that the hit tool is just is what's going to carry his entire career. Um, I think I think the Yankees making this pick would be a smart move for them. He fits the short porch in Yankee Stadium better than anybody in this draft, I think. Um, he's a high-floor a high type of player. And with them losing their second-round pick this year, adding a guy like Cabrera at the end of the first round would be huge for them. It's, it's a, it's a can't-miss type of pick. It's a guy that you can really just plug in. He's going to play every day and be a, a quality player. And if, if, if his hit tool plays, like I think it's going to play the next level after playing in the SEC at LSU, then I think this is the type of pick that could be a huge, a huge win for New York at 28. 100%. This is a guy, I watch him take batting practice. I watch him playing games. He sprays the ball all over the field. He is a gap-to-gap guy. And to me, I see a Nick Markakis type of comp where you know you can almost just pencil him in for 280, 290, and 20 home runs. And I think that's the type of big leaguer he will be. And at 29, rounding out the draft for me was who I thought could go to Oakland. I think if he falls to 29, there's no way the Dodgers don't take Austin Wells, the catcher out of Arizona, big left-handed hitter, another guy who just dominated the Cape League, hit for a lot of power, walked over 20% of the time, and just was incredibly selective for a big power hitter. I watched him hit three home runs in a single double header. This guy just mashes the baseball. He's young, a draft-eligible sophomore, and he is a little bit of a question mark to stay behind the dish. Even if he doesn't stay behind the dish, this is a guy who 
was trying to play a little bit of the outfield in the Cape. He did struggle, I will say, but he is athletic enough to maybe figure it out out there. Worst case scenario, he plays first base. He has the bat to carry him there. This is a guy who has 30, 35 home run potential. He has a good hit tool for a big left-handed hitter. And if he stays behind the dish, you're looking at maybe a massive steal at 29. I think this is the second coming of Max Muncie when looking at Austin Wells. I think he'll be a left, a right fielder, first baseman going forward. Um, but watching him swing the ball just jumps off his bat. I think it's some of the easiest power in the class along the same lines as Veen or I know it's a prep bat, but we'll say Torkelson or Burleson even from from East Carolina is some of the best power in the class. But Austin Wells just really can bring it at in, in all aspects of the game. I do, like I said, I don't think he's going to stick behind the plate, but his bat plays well enough to be great at first base or, or right field. And that would round out the first round, believe it or not. And that is really just a stacked top 29 picks there. Uh, to close it out here, Ian, catching you a little off guard, but if you could pick one guy, you know, the best player available now outside the first round, who would it be that was not selected in these first 29 picks? Oh, man, that is tough. Oh. Out of the first 29 picks, the best guy. Uh, man, I, I love Jordan Westberg a lot. Um, yeah. I really, he's a top-notch guy. And Slake Coney is a, is a could be a, a one or two of the next level. Those are two guys who didn't make the first round who I think could be extremely great picks in the comp round or in the second round. Absolutely. I saw plenty of Westberg this summer and just missed out on making Team USA, came to the Cape and just – continuously hit the ball, a good athlete, could stick at shortstop, has the hit tool, still tapping into the power, but I think he has plenty of power to be tapped into in the next coming years. And I'm a big fan of Westberg. To me, I'm hoping the Marlins can snatch him up in one of those compensation rounds, but I don't think he falls that far because like you said, he could be the very next guy gone. Or I could even see him crack the top 29. But this was a blast doing these 29 picks with you, Ian. Thank you so much for joining me. You have a mock draft of your own that I did not interrupt with. uh, It's a slightly different 29 picks that can be checked out on Prospects 365. And where can people catch you on Twitter to see all the draft coverage coming up and all the Florida State League coverage once the season hopefully starts up? Well, I will have some more draft coverage coming for you guys on Prospects 365. I have a Jake DeLeo interview coming soon and my top 100 big board is also coming out. You can find me on Twitter at FLA Smitty. And yeah, I'm really just really stoked to be here. Nan. Thanks for having me, bro. I really, I'm really glad we got to do this. Absolutely, dude. I'm looking forward to uh, continuing to go back and forth with you on this draft. And we're almost there. A couple more weeks and we'll see how wrong these 29 picks were. But hopefully we'll get a couple of them right. And uh, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, thanks again, buddy. And uh, we'll hopefully have you on soon. Yes, sir. Thanks a lot, man. You have a great night.